chapter number 10, and uh, I, want you to, I want you to really pray today. Uh, I really, really, really need your prayers. Uh, the Lord is dealing with me about a subject that I want to deal with today. Uh, never preached on it in this type of manner, uh, and, and I, I, I need your prayer. How many of y'all can talk to Jesus today? Amen. So, so if you will, just remain standing for just a second. We're going to read a couple verses, and uh, and we're today we're going to talk about the subject suicide. Suicide. It's a dark topic. It's a topic that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, we don't even want to think about it, much less talk about it. Uh, but if the church doesn't talk about it, where are they going to find help? And, and there's such a stigma that goes with that in this issue. Uh, I, I really, truly believe that, that if God's people don't have something to say, then we need to quit everything. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So if you will, look in John 10, 10. John 10, 10. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Let me read that again. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. Now, if you have a red letter edition Bible, that writing is in red. And that means Jesus is talking. He said the thief comes to steal and he comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. He says, but I am come that ye might have, everybody say it, ye might have life. Life. Not just life. But I want you to have it more abundantly. I don't want you to just have a life where you are existing. I want you to have an abundant life. And so, as we get started with this topic, I, 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 I want to I kind of lay a foundation of who the devil is and who the Lord is. So far in these verses, look, I, I want to read John 8, 44. Ye are of the devil. Trust me on this. If you don't, you don't have to turn. Let's save some time, but you can turn later. John 8, 44. He says, ye are of your father, the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. Watch this. He was a murderer from the beginning. Right from the beginning, he was a murderer. And he abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar. Let me, let me, just, let me just say, amen. amen. For he is a liar. Say that with me. He is a And not only is he a liar... He's the father of it. He's the originator. He is the instigator. He is the author of lying. So, so far, we have learned today that Jesus is life. And he cares about life. And he instigates life. And he's here to give us life. But the devil is a thief. And he's a murderer. And he's a liar. Say that with me. He's a thief. 
He's a murderer and he's a liar. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, help us today. Please help me. Help me help some people today. God, I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to I want to just say this just as a whatever, just so you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not a doctor. And I'm not a psychiatrist. And I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert by any means whatsoever. And I'm not coming to you as an expert today. I, I'm, not, I'm not coming to you with all the answers. I don't have all the answers. As a matter of fact, I don't even know all the questions. I'm just coming to you as someone that cares. And someone that's concerned. And someone that's learning. I'm trying. And I'm learning. I, I want to learn about this. I, I want to help our people. I want to help our community. So, so if we don't cover everything today, I, I don't know what God's going to do with this. I, I, I truly don't. I, I've had plans of what to, what series to do and, and things leading up to Easter and all that. But I, I don't know what God's going to do. We may preach on this for six weeks. We may This may be the only message. But I do know this, that God cares and God is concerned. Say, what's the issue, preacher? Over 25,000 Americans commit suicide every year. Over 1 million, over 1 million will try, but only 1 out of 15 will succeed. It is the 10th highest killer in the U.S. More will die by suicide than by murder. There are over 5,000 suicides among teenagers every year. Some 10,000 college students will attempt suicide in a year. It is the second highest cause of death among young people ages 15 to 24, and it's surpassed only by accidents. Thirteen young adults each day consider life not worth living. You hear me? Thirteen every single day. That is twice as many, <clears throat> twice as many as 10 years ago and three times as many as 20 years ago. One report has indicated that as many as 12% of all school-age children will contemplate suicide at least once for, in their formative years. Now, here's a local statistic. We have already had 10 suicides in our county in 2017. In all of 2016, there were only 17 in total. In the whole year of last year, there were 17 in total. Already this year, we've already had 10 in our county. Preacher, what, what, what are you saying? Uh, I'm saying this. I'm saying this. The devil is on a rampage. Now, these numbers, these numbers don't even include those who attempted and those who are contemplating and those who are, are thinking about this particular issue. And so I want to share with you some things that I'm learning. In the last few weeks, I have dealt and I have sat and counseled and, and, and tried to encourage more people who have contemplated suicide, who've come in to try to get some help, than I think I have my whole ministry. In the last couple of weeks, listen, it's not just an issue of suicide. We have young people who are cutting themselves. We have young people who are trying to find relief in pills. And, and young people, listen, not just young people, older people. But there's a stigma that goes along with this. There's a taboo that goes along with this, that we don't want to talk about it. Listen, I've, I've, heard, I've heard preachers that, that say, and, and they use this terminology, the demon of depression. 
I've never heard somebody say the demon of diabetes or the demon of heart disease. Let's cast out that no and say, oh, no, they need medication. But then they'll criticize someone who needs medication for a mental issue. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what that's called. That's called hypocrisy. And we don't talk about it. We won't, we won't because it, there's a stigma there. And we, we wonder, why don't these people get help? Because the people that should help make them feel guilty for it. So I want to try it this morning, if you will. <clears throat> help me pray. I want to help some are, that have loved ones that are struggling, I want you to kind of put yourself in their shoes this morning. I want you to see what they're struggling with. I want you to see what they feel. And like I said, I don't have all the answers, and I don't have it all, all of it. But if you could kind of understand, and I want to try to encourage those that are struggling with it. I want to do both that, that if whatever we can this morning. So how many of y'all will agree to pray for me during this message? If you're taking notes, if you'll just write a few things down. Number one, here, here is something that I have seen in, in counseling. I have seen with just personal experience with people I have dealt with. And not only that, but things I found in God's word in this particular issue. Number one, when people are struggling with this particular issue, when people are contemplating this, contemplating taking their own life, number one, they have a distorted perception of reality. A distorted perception of reality. Now, the word perception is how you see things. Is everybody with me on that? You understand it? In other words, how you see it, how you're seeing your reality. In, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, it says, But he himself, this is talking about Elijah. How many of y'all know who Elijah is? Elijah, the man who looked boldly in a king's face and said, it will not rain. God is bringing judgment upon this nation. I'm talking about fearlessly, without, without fear at all, full of courage, stood in a king's face and pointed his finger in his face. The same man who stood on Mount Carmel and called fire down from heaven stood in the face of 850 false prophets and, 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 and caused revival in the nation. This same Elijah, everybody knows about that Elijah. But not many people want to talk about the other side of Elijah. They don't want to talk about the Elijah who sat under a juniper tree and he begged God to kill him. The Elijah that said, I don't want to live anymore. The Elijah that felt like he was a failure. The Elijah who said, I don't even deserve to live. I don't want to live anymore. That's the one I want to talk about. This same Elijah, he said, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not, watch this, I am not better than my father's. I am not better than my father's. He said, I'm a failure. Even though, now here's the, here's the deal. God said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is not where I called you to be. This is not where you're supposed to be. What are you doing here? And Elijah said, I'm the only one left. There is nobody else serving you but me. I'm the only one left. He said, I, I am not better than my father's. You say, what is that? That was his reality. That's how he saw the world. That's how he saw his circumstances. That's how he saw his situation. 
And when you're in the moment, when you're in the cloud, when you're in that, that point of struggling with suicide, struggling with these thoughts, struggling with, with, with discouragement and depression, in the moment, you don't see things like they really are. You see, in, in, in Elijah's situation, do you know that Elijah was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? He was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when John Baptist came in the New Testament, he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Basically saying, Elijah was the man. Elijah had the power of God upon him. But he felt like a failure. Now let me say this. Let me say this to those who are trying to help those who are struggling. Let, let me say this to the ones who've never been there and you, and you, don't, you, don't, you don't know what they're feeling and, and you don't know the deal. You've got to understand something. Even though their perception of reality is distorted, their perception is their reality. It is real. It may not be reality, but they still feel it. They still feel that pain. Even though reality was this, God told Elijah, there's still 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. There's still 7,000. You're not a failure. You just caused the whole nation of Israel to turn from Baal and turn to the living God. You just killed 850 false prophets. You're not a failure. But I'm telling you, in the moment, in the cloud, in the darkness, in the struggle, he felt alone. I was talking to a dear preacher friend of mine last night who struggles with depression in a great way. He says, when I read that verse, that there have been 7,000 who have not bowed the knee, he said, I'm not trying to contradict Scripture. He said, but i got to wonder, where were those 7,000 when Elijah needed them? Where is the church? Where is the Christians when these people feel like they're alone? When your loved one, your family feels like they're all alone. And now let me say something. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to let us off the hook, but I don't want to create a sense of, of extreme guilt either. I'm trying to inform so that we can do something. Are you with me? Their perception is their reality. You say that, that it's not real. It's real to them. The devil. You remember what we said the devil was? He's a liar. Now, if you're struggling, the devil will tell you. The devil will tell you, you're just in the way. The devil will tell you, you know what, your, your family would be better off without you. You're just causing problems. And you know what, none of that's true. None of that's true. The devil will lie to you and tell you, listen, this whole world would be better off without you in it. But that's a lie. That's a lie. God says there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee. You are, you are a man who's brought revival to a nation. My power is still real. But understand this, in the cloud, you can't see that. And listen, don't, don't ever tell somebody that's struggling, just get over it. You know what that's like? That's like telling a blind man, just go ahead and see. It's like telling someone who's paralyzed, just go ahead and walk. I promise you, if they could, they would have already. Nobody.
Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I just want to be depressed today. I just, I just want to stay in a black cloud and, 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 and feel horrible. I, no, it's not that way. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. Amen? Listen, and if you're struggling, sometimes you've got to trust the people that's in the light when you're in the dark. When your perception is not reality, you got to be able to trust someone who can say, hey, it's not as bad as you think it is. Life is not as bad as you think it is. Your situation is not as bad as you think it is. I know it feels that way. I know it's real to you. But trust me on this. We will get through this. When someone's struggling, the people I have interviewed, here, here's a powerful statement. This is a powerful statement that I read. Psychiatrists have interviewed several, several people who have tried and attempted suicide but were not successful. And this was a statement that was made, and it just, it just reverberated. I mean, it just shook me to my core. This is what they said. They said, we didn't necessarily want to die. We just didn't want to live anymore. We just, we didn't necessarily want to die but we didn't want to keep living the life we were living. We didn't want to keep going through the pain that we were going through. We needed to know there's a better way. And all God's people say, when you're struggling, there's a, there's a, distorted, there's a distorted perception of reality. But then number two, here's another thing we're finding. Not only is there a distorted perception of reality, but number two, there's a feeling and a sense. There's no hope that things will ever be better. There's no hope that things will ever be better. In Genesis chapter 37, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 31, this is the instance in the, the situation where, where Joseph's brothers brought the coat of many colors that Jacob had given his sons. How many of y'all remember that story? They took the coat of many colors and they ripped it and they shredded it and they dipped it in animal blood and, and they lied to their father. They lied to their father and said, is this Joseph's coat? Surely this is Joseph's coat. And oh, it broke Jacob's heart. It broke Israel's heart. He, just, he was so despondent and he was so broken. And this is what it said. And Jacob rent his clothes and sack and put sackcloth upon his loins, and he mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. You know what he's saying? I'll die grieving over my son. I will never be happy again. In his situation, in his moment, he was so overwhelmed with what he was going through. He had no hope 
that things would be any different. He had no hope that things would be any better. He had no hope that life would change at all. In the moment, he thought, and the devil was putting it in his head, that it's always going to be like this. And when people are struggling, when people are hurting, when people are dealing with this topic, listen, they've lost hope. They've lost hope of relief. They've lost hope of help. They've lost hope that that anything would be any different. It's always going to be like this. Well, let me tell you this. That's a lie. That's not the truth. That is not reality. Listen, I, I I went ahead a few chapters. I went ahead a few chapters, and this is what I found. While Joseph, or, or excuse me, Jacob is feeling like he would go to his grave mourning over his son, he would never be happy again. Things would never be any better. In Genesis chapter number 48, God is putting them back together. We know the story. Joseph goes to Egypt and he saves the world. He brings his family to Egypt. Now watch this reunion. And Israel, this is Jacob, Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons, whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now, how many of y'all are grandparents? How many of y'all think uh, you kind of favor them grand youngins? Now, think about this moment. Think about this moment. Now, the eyes of Israel were dim, so he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them. He embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. He said, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I didn't ever think that I would have joy again and happiness again. He said, but look, God has showed me also thy seed. He said, there was a day I had given up hope of ever seeing you. But God has allowed me to see my grand boys, my grand youngins. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the happiness? Can you imagine what he was going through? But see, there was a moment when the devil was on his shoulder saying, you'll never be happy again. You'll never experience joy again. It will always be like this. You'll never see the sun shine again. You'll always be in a black cloud. It'll always be this way in your life. But I'm here to tell you today, the devil is a lie. God is a God of hope. He is a God of joy. And listen, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Listen, don't listen to the liar. Don't listen to the murderer. Don't listen to the thief. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your life. He wants to steal your potential. He wants to take, as long as you're breathing air, you are a potential enemy to his kingdom. And he wants to take you out. And he wants to destroy you. Listen, it's not about you. It's about God. Because as long as you're breathing air, the Bible says all that has breath, praise the Lord. And you have the ability to give God glory. And he wants to take that away. He's a liar. In the moment, in the moment, this is what you're hearing. And I want to stand with you and tell you, there's hope. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, you shouldn't be feeling that. Well, that's stupid. 
You are feeling it. It is real. It is. Your perception is your reality. You're feeling that pain. But I want to tell you and I want to encourage you, it can change. It can get better. Listen, there is hope and there is help. You say, well, where's it been? Listen, I, I, I I can't give reasons or excuses in the past, but things will be different. We're going to get better. The church is going to learn about this. The church is going to do what we can to help and be there. Listen, there's, there's no hope that things will be any different. So we've got to communicate there is hope. There is hope. And those feelings you have and those thoughts you're having, they're not coming from Jesus. Jesus says, I come that you might have life. They're coming from Satan. Listen, number three. Not only is there a distorted perception of reality, but... But there's, there's no hope that things will be any different or things will be any better. But, but then, number three, this is something that we are seeing. This is what's more prevalent today. Do you realize there, there, we, always connect, we always connect suicide with, with, with great depression and clinical depression and psychosis and things that go along with that? And we say, well, this person has just been facing depression. But do you realize we're having young people that doesn't have a history of depression. They don't even have, there's not even been one inkling of any evidence whatsoever that all of a sudden, bam, and we're, we're, we're shocked and we're caught off guard. What in the world? And this is what's happening. There is, they are being overwhelmed. Number three, overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Say it with me. Overwhelmed. Say that with me. Overwhelmed. In other words, there is so much coming at them that here we face this. Young people are facing their parents' divorce. Young people are facing failing grades at school. Young people are facing a loss of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And all of these things are happening all at once and they feel overwhelmed. It's not that they are in great depression. They just don't know what to do. under so much pressure. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but the church needs to get its head out of the hole and understand that suicide is becoming popular. That it's not just one person over here thinking about it. They're talking about it. They're seeing it on the internet. They're reading about it. It's not a taboo to them anymore. It is. It's just another way out. They're feeling overwhelmed. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Job. How many of y'all ever heard of him? Now, we like to talk kind of like Elijah. We like to talk about the Job who said, who said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. We like to talk about the, the Job who said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand in the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. We like to talk about that. We like to talk about the Job who when his wife just told him to curse God and die, he said, woman, you speak as a foolish woman speaking. Are y'all with me? But do you know that same Job, the very chapter after he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. The same Job in the next chapter said, curse the day I was born. Why didn't I die in my mother's womb? 
Why did God let me live? I wish I would have died. I wish I'd have never been born. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, Job lost all his children. Job lost. He was the richest man in the east. He lost all his finances. He was bankrupt in a moment of time. Not only, not only did he lose all of his, his wealth and all of his ability to, to, to uh, 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 support and sustain life, he lost his children, all of them. And then, then the devil struck him with sore boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Sore boils are extremely painful. And he had him to the point that it didn't matter whether he sat down, stood up, sat on his head. He was in pain. Excruciating pain. He was overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Listen, he felt like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't take any more. sent an angel to touch him 
and give him a cruise of water and, and some bread to eat to nourish him and let him sleep. Now, I'm telling you, some of you in here, it wouldn't hurt to take just a good nap. I don't, I don't know what our problem was in kindergarten. <laughs> I, I, I look back. I look back at kindergarten. We had our own mat and everything, and they had to make us lay down. What was we thinking? I would love to come into church and roll my mat out right there. Amen. <laughs> rest, but we need to learn how to resolve conflict. I, I don't know how to fix a 350 Chevrolet motor. I have no idea. But I know who can. I got Dorgan, I got Dorgan's number on speed dial. Say amen. <laughs> it's all the preacher. That's silly. That just that's just good thinking. Really? So when you're overwhelmed with life, it wouldn't be smart to call somebody that could help you. Maybe plan. Or maybe help you solve some issues and problems. Brother McCormick is an awesome dude. He's one of my preacher mentors down in Florida. I've called him with certain things. I'm just like just about to pull my hair out and, 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 and just about to lose it and... and and in about 10 minutes, he said, well, preacher, if you try this right here and put this here and do this right here, man. and I'm sitting there like, wow. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And let me say this. Let me say this, guys. On the other hand, when somebody does ask questions, don't take it lightly. If anyone even talks about this or hints about thinking about this, there's a problem. Say, why don't they ask for help? They don't know how. They're reaching out and they don't know how. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to explain and express what they're feeling and how they're feeling. All they know is something's wrong and I need help. And we need to take it seriously. Take every single case serious. Fourthly, and we're done for today. I say today, I, I, I don't know what all God's going to do with this, but, but we've got to pray. We've got to understand. We've got to be able to put ourselves in, in other people's shoes. Listen, there's, there's a distorted perception of reality there, there's a lost hope that anything will be any different or anything will change. There, there is a sense of being overwhelmed by life, life's problems, life's issues. Listen, when you get overwhelmed, I, I, I've heard this phrase, it's, it's been used a lot. Don't take a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Listen, get help. Call somebody. Lastly, this is this is this is big. This is big. There's a lost sense 
of purpose. A lost sense of purpose. I can't tell you how many people has retired and gave up. There, there has been people who, who have lost all their, all their sense of purpose, all their joy, all their fulfillment was wrapped in maybe a relationship, maybe in their children, maybe in a hobby. I mean, their whole life is consumed with this hobby. All the joy they have, all the fulfillment they have is in this hobby. Maybe it's in this person, maybe it's in this boyfriend, maybe it's in this girlfriend, maybe it's in this husband or wife. And your whole life is all about that person, all about that thing, all about even your children. How many of y'all know that, that relationships will bust up? Children will grow up and move away. Hobbies can go away. Careers can end. Do you realize all of these things that we put our significance in, we put our purpose in, all of those things are temporary. They're all temporary. Let me, let me read a verse. Let me read a verse. The Bible says in, in Matthew. Let me, let, me, let me just get there. Let me, let me read Colossians 3. The Bible says in Colossians 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. That means your, your, your affection, your love, your, your, your drawing, your purpose, your fulfillment. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Not on things that are temporary. Not on relationships. Not on children. Not on hobbies. Not on careers. Not on things that are temporary. He says, but put the things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now watch this. When Christ, when Christ, read it with me. Who is our life? Say it with me. Who is our life? Do you realize that if you put your purpose in Him, if your purpose is to glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, if your main source of fulfillment is in Christ, not in your career. Do you realize that you, your purpose is in Him? Your career can end, but you still have life. You still have a reason to live. You still have a reason to exist. You still have a reason to get up in the morning and put your clothes on and go out because your desire is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and career or no career, children or no children, boyfriend or girlfriend or no boyfriend or girlfriend, relationship or not, you have a reason to live. Listen. Listen, listen. The devil wants you to think and the devil wants you to invest yourself in things of this earth. There was a man named Solomon. He was the wisest man ever to live. He had more power, more money. Listen, diamonds and rubies was like rocks to us. He had so much of it. He went on, he, he, he had a time in his life where he kind of backslid on God. And if you study the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, I'm going to seek under the sun. Under the sun means here on this earth. I'm going to find joy without God. I don't need God. 
I'm going to find happiness without God. I'm going to seek out fulfillment and satisfaction without God. So the whole book of Ecclesiastes is that journey and that experiment. He says, I went, and if there was to buy, I bought it. If there was to do, I did it. If there was to see, I saw it. I had wine, women, and song. I built vineyards. I built palaces. He had a thousand women at his disposal. He had everything that this old crazy world says you got to have to be happy and to be fulfilled and to experience joy. And he had it all. And this was his conclusion. This is what he come up with. It is all vanity. The word vanity means empty. I had any woman I wanted, and I still felt empty. I had any possession I wanted, and I still felt empty. I had anything I wanted, all the entertainment, and I still felt empty. But the devil will tell you, if you don't have him, you don't have a reason to live. The devil will tell you, if you don't have her, you don't have a reason to live. The devil will tell you, if you don't have your favorite dream job, you don't have a reason to live. Well, I'm here to tell you today, the devil is alive. Purpose is not in things. Your purpose is not in possessions. Your purpose is not in people. Your purpose is not in careers. It's not in hobbies. It's not in anything of this world. Your life is in Christ. I was talking to one of my dear friends yesterday. And he said there was a young man in his town, 19 years old. Handsome as can be. Good looking kid. Good looking kid. Had any girl in the school he wanted. He could date anybody he wanted. Drove a brand new Mustang. I mean, of the world standards and man standards, he had it all. He got a scholarship to his dream job, or excuse me, his dream college. He played baseball. He was a pitcher. And he had everything. Anything you could want. Prom king, the whole deal. He broke his arm. Somehow or another, he broke his arm. And after that, after it healed up, he, he just wasn't the same. He couldn't pitch the same. His speeds were off. It just wasn't the same. He received a letter from the college revoking his scholarship. Two weeks later, and this is two weeks ago, he took his own life. You know why? He lost his sense of purpose. Because his purpose was in something that was temporary. Not in something that was eternal. How many ball players do you see who's, who've spent their whole life playing ball from the time they were little people and then when they have to retire, when they let, they're let go, they don't know what to do with their life. You know, there are tons of divorces that happen after the kids grow up and gone because the, the parents invest so much into the children, they don't even know each other by the time the kids are gone. And so here they wake up one day and have no, what am I, why do I live? Because all my days I live for my children and my career. All of my significance, everything that was important to me was wrapped around my hobby. Jesus said, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. Everything, how many of y'all have figured out everything on this earth is decaying? <laughs> In 
including you. I got a brand new house. See me in 20 years. How many of y'all know that, that, that new car smell don't last till you get to showing? Everything's decaying. Everything's going away. I want, I want to read one more verse and we're going to pray. Until next week or whatever God does. It says when Christ who is our life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Moses is standing with the nation of Israel before they go into the promised land. And he's laying out what God will do if they'll do what they're supposed to do. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Read it with me. Therefore choose life. Say it again. Say it again. Therefore choose life. Look at this. That both thou and thy seed may live. Watch this now. Watch this. It's so important. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy Y'all catch that? I don't have a reason to live. Oh, yes, you do. That's a liar telling you that. He is our life. So, preacher, if I'm struggling with thoughts of suicide, what do I need to do? Well, the first thing you need to do is make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved because you can't face this alone. Make sure you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Make your calling and election sure. Make sure you know Jesus as your Savior. Preacher, can save people struggle with this? Absolutely. Absolutely. But first, number one, make sure you're saved. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. I would come to this altar. I wouldn't even wait for the music to start. I would come to this altar and let someone help me and know that I'm saved. Matter of fact, I'll tell you how in just a minute. But number two, here's a, here's a very important thing. i got to hurry. Don't get isolated. Don't get alone. Elijah, <clears throat> Elijah, the Bible says if, you, if you'll follow through that chapter, you'll find out that when he fled for his life, he was afraid, he was in fear. His perception was all warped and messed up because he wasn't seeing things like they really were. And because of that, the Bible says he left his servant there and he went on by himself and sat under a juniper tree. And it was when he got by himself that he began to think, I don't want to live anymore. The most dangerous thing you can do, and I, I'm telling you this, guys, I'm telling you this. Please listen to me. The strongest instinct you'll have when you're discouraged, the strongest instinct you'll have when you're depressed, the strongest instinct you'll have when you're going through this struggle is you want to be alone. You don't want to be around people. You don't want to see people. You want to be by yourself. But that is the most dangerous thing you can do. Because, preacher, I just don't want at least have some... Most people have that friend. Most people have that friend. 
they can tell anything. But not all. Not all. Everybody doesn't have that. And I, I wish that wasn't the case. Do you know what? Do you know what God did? Do you know what God did with Elijah? After he went through this situation, after he went through this struggle, this is what a, a God did for Elijah to help him with this. He paired him up with Elisha. And do you know what God told Elisha? If you want a double portion of Elijah's spirit, you cannot leave Elijah. You cannot leave. you got to be with him when he departs. you got to see him when he... In other words, he made sure there was somebody with Elijah all the time. Preacher, I don't have that person. Listen, then call up here to the church. Call up here to the church. And by the way, by the way, all the rest of you, let's not be that 7,000 that Elijah didn't even know was there. To all you that are struggling, you need that friend. To all the rest of us, we need to be that friend. And be concerned. I've got a, I've got a, a sheet that's etched at, at 411. And it's at the, the exits as you leave. And it's just signs. It's just signs. You may have a friend that will never, ever come to you. But if you see these signs, then you have an obligation to go to them. Say, man, can I help you? Are you doing okay? It's all here. Please stop by and get one of these before you leave. It's also got numbers of resources that you can call professionals. Say, preacher, I'm not comfortable with that. Hey, it's, it's all here. Please stop by and get one. If you're struggling, know you're saved. If you're struggling, please don't get isolated. Please don't get alone. And please trust those. Please trust those who's not in the cloud. Trust those when they tell you, hey, things will get better. Trust them because they're telling you the truth. The devil is a thief. He's a murderer. And he's a liar. If you are having any thoughts whatsoever that associate with death, it's not God. And please let us help. I, I, I feel a need to pray. Because God is working in our community. And Satan's attacking in a terrible way. Especially our teenagers. So I want to do this. I want every head back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Brother Buchanan, I'm going to turn it over to you and pray with you right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, if you're here today and you're not 100% sure if you were to die right now that you'd go to heaven, I want to tell you how. I want to tell you how. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, there is none righteous, no, not one. I'm a sinner. My dad pastored church for years and years and years and years. And guess what? He was a sinner. We're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Then in Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You say, preacher, I, I, I believe that. I believe sin must be paid for. The wage of sin is death. What do I do? The Bible says this in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us, guys. He died for us. He took our place. He understands. He understands your pain. He understands your suffering. He understands your hurting. He understands what you're going through. Even when, we, when your friends and your family don't get it and they don't understand, Jesus does. He died for you. He says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we will, if we will call on Him, if we will believe with our heart that Jesus died and rose again, we will be saved. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, oh, preacher, I believe that. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that, and I, 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 I believe that Jesus died for me. Say, so how do I get that salvation? How do I receive that? Listen, if you'll pray right now, just like Jesus is sitting right beside you, if you'll receive Christ right now, I'll pray with you. And remember, it's not what you're saying. with You don't have to say a fancy prayer. It's not about that. It's what you're doing with your heart. All you're doing with your mouth is what you're, 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 you're feeling and you're believing with your heart. And if you're here today and you'd like to accept Christ, I want you to pray with me and mean it with your heart, accepting with your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. And the best I know how, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. The best I know how, Lord, I want you to forgive me and save me. every heads bowed if you prayed that prayer I've got a little booklet I'd love to give you it says now that I've been saved what next what, what's now and I want to give this to you and I want to encourage you I want to encourage you don't be ashamed don't be embarrassed Jesus said if you're ashamed of me before men I'll be ashamed of you before my father if you prayed that prayer this morning and you accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to be down here on the floor. I'm walking down right now. I'll be on the floor. If you prayed that prayer and you accepted Christ, I want you to come and let me give you this book, and I want to pray for you personally, myself, myself. Jalen, you go ahead and sing something. If you're here today, if you're in the balcony, Brother Kim's up in the balcony. He's, going to, he's got the books up in the balcony. You don't have to come all the way down to the floor. If you prayed that prayer, if you trusted Christ this morning, come. Right now, this Without is the invitation. Him, right now, come. Come, come. Step out of that pew. Don't wait. Don't wait. Step out of that pew. Listen, have some courage this morning. Anybody, you pray that prayer? Would you come?
assailed and see 